0: What's up everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments where the deal is already done. <clears throat> and we're at episode 77 of Goals and Updates and uh it's it's getting realer and realer getting to that 100th episode. Cuz I'm going to get it. We got a, we still got a while away even though I'm on like episode 77, which is pretty um it, which is still pretty pretty insane to be honest with you because I didn't um when I originally started goals and updates, I wasn't really thinking ahead. Like, all right, my goal is to a hundred episodes. It was kind of just like, all right, I got to start it. And then from there, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it, it's something that I've wanted to do. Um, probably like for a long time. And then once I started doing it, it just kind of, it's like fuel for the day. Like I'm, I'm motivated to get through work like a long eight hour day of work just to hit the goals and updates and get this done. And, um, and actually have another episode out for people to come in and watch. So for me, it's, um, it's, I don't really consider like the podcasting stuff as like work just because like, I actually enjoy coming on here and talking um, and having people on the show. When I have people on the show, I, I enjoy it even more because I get to listen to other people's opinions on the show. And at the same time, um, it motivates me to want to actually go out and get more people on the show. So I um I, I completely 110% enjoy this show and that's why um you know I'm I'm committed like I try my best if I miss a show and I don't make it on a Monday or a Wednesday I try my best to make it up on uh, like a Sunday or a Saturday or even like another day of the week but um I, I try to do my best now I I don't have um I don't have school anymore I I, I completely finished college for right now for at least a year. Uh, Depending on what's going to happen with uh, the company that I'm with, you know, after the year point and how much, you know, I I still got to think about some other things that are going to take place after uh, in like the next year in order to go back to school if I do choose to go back to school. We'll see what happens, but that's the plan. The plan is kind of to go back and try to get a bachelor's, um, to get basically a bachelor's at basically nothing, like basically how I just got a two-year degree basically go back and get a bachelor's for nothing. Like I didn't pay basically anything for the degree and I worked my butt off to basically have someone else pay for the degree and and <clears throat> basically be one of the few, few, few people to have degrees where I didn't pay a dime or I pretty much paid nothing for the degree. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I'm trying, you know, that's what I'm thinking ahead of schedule to try to, you know, that's why I'm waiting the year to be able to do that. But at the same time, um, you know, it just, it just depends with done deal investments where that ends up going in a year. Uh, cause if it requires more of my attention, then that's probably where it's going to go. Cause that's, that's where the money is. It's not, um, college is not, you know, it's not what everyone really thinks it is, but it's something that I kind of want to do for myself. And if I can do it, then why not do it? And if I, you know, don't have to really pay money towards it and I can find ways around paying and getting into debt for it. Why not do it? That's my intake on it. but. Um, I'm definitely going to talk about college in a, a whole other episode it's just I, I don't want to do it today um, I want to get some some pretty powerful topics on the show today but uh, the two topics I have laid out for you guys uh, right after I update you guys on my life is stay broke which is the first one the second one's gonna be people are not permanent in your life um, and you know they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be good topics the first one people might not really uh, it might not be a favorited topic. The second one, I think people, most people will agree with me on the second topic. I just don't think... Uh, I don't know how far people will agree with me on the second topic. But I'm pretty sure people will pretty much agree with just the title of the topic, which is uh, people are not permitted in your life. Um, for anyone that's grown up, you know, it happened to you. But real quick, we're going to do some updates uh, in my life because that's why it's called Goals and Updates. I update you guys on the things that I'm doing that I pretty much tell you on this, uh, you know, the the actual, uh, podcasting, the goals and updates, I go in and I try to enact or inhabit the same traits that I'm trying to preach to you guys in a sense where I'm like, Hey, you should probably be doing this rather than this. And this is how I think. Um, but I'm trying to basically get it to a point where, you know, I'm enacting everything that I'm telling you guys like 100% of the time. Uh, you know, there's still a little things that I'm working on. I'm trying to work on my time management, which is you know, I think that's a big killer for everyone. You're trying to take away the waste, uh, things that are wasting your time. Sorry, guys, someone called me. My bad. Um, all right, we're back. My bad, guys. Someone tried to call. But you're trying to get rid of stuff that's wasting your time, like Netflix, video games, uh anything that's not productive in your life, maybe uh hanging out with friends and wasting a lot of money at the bar or going to a club late at night and not being able to get up earlier and not be productive the next day because you're hungover. like Little things like that where you're trying to really take out the waste in the time that you're using and really put things that are being more productive in, in your life. Uh, my biggest struggle really when it comes down to that is uh, being motivated after working like 40 hours a week or working eight hours, let's say like today, and being motivated enough to work another five hours for my own business. Uh, that's something that is, uh, it's not going to be an overnight change. It's going to take a lot of, um, a lot of failures in that. And it's going to take a lot of, uh, pushing myself to an extreme, um, you know, a whole nother level of extreme in a sense, but that's something that I'm working on right now. The other thing too, is trying to get up early. Like I've always, I've never, I've never really been able to wake up extremely early. I've done it a handful of times. And what I've noticed is the times that I have woken up at like five in the morning or six in the morning has normally been when there was something that I felt was really, really important I had to do. And it was like, I had to work an early, early shift, uh, like, across uh, cross countries. I've, I've had to do it a couple of times where I had to be at work by seven. And so that meant I had to get up at like five 36 and be ready by six thirty to get on the road, to be able to get to work by seven. And um, so work if it w- and I, I had to do it before with like Saveology, which was my first original job that I've ever ever had before, um, where I was at an ice skating plex and I had a, I was a cashier at the ice skating plex, and I've had to do that a couple times that I had tournaments I had to get up at like five in the morning again and work all the way until like almost twelve in the morning, so it was like a, a you know extremely long, um like day that I had to get, get through, but I had to wake up at like five in the morning to get over there. And that, and that was like a 10 minute drive from here. So the point is, I know I can do it, right? I know I can get up at six in the morning or maybe even five in the morning. Uh, the the thing that I'm having trouble doing is doing it, uh, persistently every single day. Um, and that's, that's the, I can't, I'm having trouble, uh, creating that habit of getting up at six in the morning every single day. Um, but I do, the the thing that I realized too, is I set my alarm, but I got to try something else where, where, when my alarm goes off, I have to like get out of bed. So I'm trying to figure out different ways that I can, can do it. But I I, like, I've, I've been struggling with that for like the last two to three months, I think. And it just like every single time the alarm goes off, I just, for some reason, uh, snooze it and go back to bed. And I can't, unless I have to work. For cross country home services. That's why I'm saying, like, I know it's something that uh, I have to internally try to fix uh, because I know I can do it because I've done it a couple of times. Like I've done it, like, like I've done it at least thirty or forty times before, just not consecutively in a row. So that's the my persist or consistency is the the issue that I know that I'm running into. Now, um, real quick, so that's that. Uh, those are some things that I'm struggling with. Time management is something that. Uh, my uncle has tried to help me with where he said, you gotta, you gotta come up with a schedule and you gotta try to structure your days where, um, you know, you're literally tracking every single hour, every 30 minutes and you're trying to be consistent with the schedule, which, uh, which is extremely hard cause I've never done that my whole entire 23 years of living. And, you know, I created a habit where I just kind of do whatever I kind of want. So it's kind of hard to structure time. Um, It really is like if anyone hasn't because most people don't do that, by the way. But if you ever tried to structure your time, you might be able to do it like one day. But then all the other days, it's really hard because like you kind of convinced yourself for so long. Like, hey, I can do whatever I want. It's my time. And uh, I can go over here and hang out with this person for an hour, two hours. But I realize if I go and hang out with this person, let's say um, John, which is a made up person. But let's say I go and hang out with John and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with John for an hour. It normally doesn't happen where I hang out with John for just one hour. I end up wasting like three or four hours, maybe even the whole half of the day. So it's, it, it's really time management for me has really been like, a, um, been like a really weak point for me where I've been really trying to work on. And the same thing with waking up in the morning. Um, some other things I can update you guys on is um, I recently recently got through my college class. I, I don't know what particular grade I got in accounting one because she hasn't um she, I don't know how she's going to do it but I might have to wait a couple weeks before she updates the grades and I can tell you guys what I got in accounting but um for right now I just know I have a C that I got which was uh, I think a 77% but if I would have got if I would have got like a B or like a high C plus I think on the final I would have got a B she would have boosted the grade up since that grade would have counted so I'll let you guys know how that goes in the next couple of weeks but uh, for right now, I just know I have like a C in accounting one. Um, I made some interesting phone calls today, which uh, which I kind of need uh, just to get used to kind of like, you know, you're randomly calling people and people are just not responsive in a sense and you're trying to, um, in a few, you know, like a few sentences, you're basically just trying to get them on the same page. I had to make a phone call to the service provider today and uh, the person was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So in like a few couple of words or a couple of sentences, I had to try to um, come up with like a a way where I could get the person on the same page. And um, so, you know, it's good practice for me at this job where I'm doing a lot of cold calling, where I'm just calling random people, random service providers, random customers. Uh, Customers, most of the time, are not that bad because they already know you're calling from Sears or you're calling from a, um, a warranty company that they own, that they pay for. But when you're calling a random service provider, you know, they're probably dealing with massive amounts of people that they're servicing. And then at the same time, a lot of them, um, they don't, they, they're like, oh, I don't understand why the warranty company's calling me. So like, you have to like explain a lot of things to the service providers. But um, I made this other, fo- I tried to help this one person today. Um, and my motto there too is like, I'm trying to help as many people as I can. My big job right now is OwnerCo. And it's just, you got to call the service providers, which most of them don't do there and they kind of just push the work back. So I'm trying to get in the habit of like, all right, if I can make the call and help this customer out, I'm going to make the call and try to get the information I need. And I tried doing that today and I tried calling, uh, if anyone, most people probably know this company, but it's LG. I tried calling the LG customer support line. Um, I got to one person, that person then told me to call this other person or this other department, which I did. Then that person told me to call another department and, um, you know, so I couldn't help that person, but I at least committed to trying. I called three other departments and they just kept pushing me to different places. So I said, you know, I can't, I can't help this person, uh, this person. It's probably easier for this person to send in a credit card statement or a, uh, you know, most of them pay with checks because I think it's, I think it's more of like the baby boomers that are normally doing the warranty companies are the ones that normally own the homes. So a lot of them write checks. Uh, so all she has to do is send us like a proof of, uh, you can contact your bank or go on your online banking and just, and then you send like a, um, a picture of the cash check. So that's kind of, so, you know, so I try to help that person out the, and I write, I write it in the email too. I'm like, Hey, I tried to like, I don't say I, I say we try, <laughs> we tried to contact your service provider and, um, this is, this is what happened. So you have to send in the proof of payment so we can move this forward. But I try to, I, you know, I try to do the best I possibly can at this job. Where if I can make a call and make a difference for that customer, I try to do it. Uh, most of the, you know, most of the time it does work. Most of the time you get really nice service providers, and the service providers will uh, give you whatever information you need, and they'll try their best to to give you what you need. But uh, you know, sometimes you you call people and they don't know what's going on, and they don't they don't really help you. They just push you to another department. Um, so. So that's that. I've been making I've been making some a lot of phone calls, uh, which is great. Uh, schedule, you know, my schedule uh, changed. Like I've never worked. I've normally worked my whole entire life, to be bluntly honest with you. I mean, uh, my first job, I had breaks where I would have maybe a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday off because we only we could only work so many hours. Like uh, when Obama was president, he put a he put a law out where. If you're working over 30 hours, then you were te- technically labeled as full, um, what is it, uh, like a full-time employee, and they had to pay you health benefits or health care and stuff like that. They were, it was mandatory for them to provide that for you or pay a penalty. So the company that I worked for just cut everyone's hours. They cut everyone hour, everyone's hours, and then from there, what happened was, um, you know, they, they gave me some days off. But I was working before that law was placed. I was working like every single day. Um, I was taking everyone's shifts cause I was trying to make money and save, but, uh, I've never, so it's kind of weird now that I have Tuesday. So tomorrow I'll have, um, off from cross country and then Sunday I'll have off, but it's just weird because I've never really had like i I've always worked Monday through Friday and had the weekends off. So for me, it, it's just really weird to have the Tuesday off. And then, um, I got to try to push myself like tomorrow to work, uh, done deal investments, Instead of like you know relaxing, because like that's that's kind of like my mentality was for the weekends with Saturdays and Sundays. I'm gonna relax and get you know get some personal stuff done. But at the same time, like now nah, I gotta like work. So that's that's another struggle that I'm gonna have, which I'll update you guys as uh, we go through some other episodes. I gotta try to at least my my goal right now is to at least work five hours on my business, um, at least on Tuesdays, like five hours put towards done deal investments on a Tuesday and then maybe like five hours on a Sunday. And then I got to figure out a time um, because I'm working eight hours per work day for cross country home services. So then I got to try to figure out, you know, how much time I want to put towards after those hours and then, you know, try to come up with a certain amount of hours that I'm working for done deal investments. So I'm on, I'm focused and I'm on task. That's the hardest thing that I've realized right now with this business is time management. And I'm, uh, I'm trying to, you know, put a schedule together where I'm, I'm tracking how much time I'm putting into you know, this element compared to this element and that element compared to that element element. And that's the hardest thing because it's it tech, I'm technically working two jobs, but the hard thing is I'm doing everything right now kind of on my own for done deal investments until I can start figuring out uh, where to hire certain people. And then, you know, the hiring process is a whole nother whole nother ball game too. But what I'm trying to do is just kind of figure out the timing. And put the hours together. And the hardest thing is after working forty hours a week, you know, you, you got to work more hours on top of that to get your business going. So that's the that's that's really hard coming from something where you're only working one um, like one job, and now you have to really track everything that you're doing, right? And there's no one on top of me. Like I'm a, I'm I'm completely my own boss. So I am the person that has to track myself and keep myself in check and, and responsible for what I'm doing. And that's also hard too, because my whole entire life I've always had um a boss. I've always had someone where I, that was the authority that I had to figure out how to um do what they wanted me to do the proper way. And I had to put their needs before my needs. So it's kinda it, it is it is kind of weird um, that, you know, after I'm done with all that, I have to try to flip the flip the tables basically and try to do my own thing. So the, the schedule change is one thing that uh is a little weird for me. Now what we're going to do right now is I'm going to go into these um these two topics. Uh oh yeah, real we're quick before that. Uh the other interesting thing too is uh the one kid I sit next to David. Um he he constantly keeps giving me uh like books that he's read and um the other day which was really interesting that I really wanted to like I, I wanted to talk about this on the last podcast but I was sitting next to him and this was on Saturday. No one's in the office on Saturday. No one works Saturdays. It's probably like a handful of people. Like I would say maybe um, in a a, uh, building of 500 employees, I would say on Saturday mornings to the afternoon, there's only about seven or eight people in that building that are working, all right? And me and David, I think me and David are the only ones that really work on a Saturday and then there's other people that work on a Sunday. At that place in our department in the customer service or support services center. Now, the the thing I wanted to talk about was um, I didn't I don't know I didn't know at the time like what um, you know like what political side uh, the the kid I sit next to David is, but David's very very mellow. So most of the stuff we talked about um, was business because you know I'm, I'm I'm really intrigued obviously as you can tell with business. And we were talking about a bunch of different stuff, taxes. We were talking about like welfare. We were talking about different different things are um, different things that are like political, but also we were talking a lot about business and stuff. And the whole conversation, uh, I was telling myself already, probably aligns more, um, which is really interesting because uh, all the people there are very very left wing, and um, not that it matters, but he's also black. So I figured, you know, he's probably, and sometimes when he talks, you can kind of tell, like, he, he sometimes leans a little bit more left on certain cases. But a lot of the times what I realize is he kind of goes a little bit more to the right. Like he understands taxes. He understands, um, like business, like how it's like free enterprise and all, all the, all the stuff that most conservatives would fight. Um, and most, uh, left wing or Democrats would kind to, or liberals would most kind of fight against right so it was just interesting talking to him and then i i I was like dude i have to ask you i'm like i don't care but i'm just really curious because like the way you talk is a little bit more conservative and it's kind of to me it's kind of a a shock because most people here don't really go you know lean towards the right and he was like well he was like under he's like i understand both he's like i really he's like i don't pick a side he's like i live with myself more as independent but he uh and I was like, yeah, it's kind of shocking because, like, most of the stuff you're saying, like, I'd say, like, ninety percent of the stuff you're saying, you lean a little bit more towards the right. So um, it was kind of interesting knowing that he was he was independent, which was, uh, you know, which is which is cool. I don't, you know, I don't have anything against that, but um, I just thought it was really interesting because most of the time when when someone would say something, he would agree with it, and then he would kind of it, it would tend to be more like a liberal a liberal stance on it or whatever. But I just thought it was really interesting, and like that's why I try to tell you guys like you have to try your best to not judge other people because you really don't know, right? Um, I, I talk, you know, I talk to myself sometimes when people are doing certain things, and I try to I try to figure certain things out, but I never I never assume or rush to an a, a conclusion that okay that's that's exactly what that person's doing, and I tell people that too. Like if I was talking to my friend, I'd be like, all right, I would assume. And like, like I told um, the kid that was sitting next to me, David, I was like, I would assume you were probably a little bit more conservative just the way you're talking. And he was like, no, I mean, he's like, I, he's like, I understand both parties. And he's like, I think both parties have like ideas and stuff like that. And he's like, I would, uh, he's like, I'm more independent. He's like, I don't, I don't pick a side, but he's like, I understand that both sides have a point. So it, like I said, it was kind of, it really was interesting to me, Right. Uh, to you, it's, it's probably not that big of a deal. But the point of the matter is, um, you know, you, you gotta, you can't rush to conclusions just because someone's uh, Hispanic, Black, White. You know, you can't judge the political elements because you really just don't know, right? Some people might agree with this point, and some people might might not agree at that point. And um, the other thing I realized too is a lot of people, I think, are misinformed a lot of things, and that's why I think a lot of people uh, tend to to do certain things. They're just misinformed. There's a lot of misinformed information out there. But um, that's that. But I, And the cool thing with David, too, is he just gives me a lot of books. Like, hey, I read this book, and this book was on, like, mentality and, like, uh, changing the way, like, you're thinking on this aspect. Or he, he he likes to read. And that's what fascinated me when I sat next to David was because he he understood what I was talking about a lot of the times that I picked up a lot from book knowledge where I was reading a book on uh, mental illness or something, or I was reading a book on business, and, and he understood it, and he was like, yeah, I've read this book before. I've read that. And he, he'll tell me, like, books that he recently read, and he'll be like, hey, this is a really good book. I recommend it. I'll write it down, right? I'll write it down, put it on my phone. I have a whole list of books that I want to read in my phone. And uh, so I appreciate people that read. And trust me, if you're someone that's like, I don't want to read, I, I, I didn't read at all in middle school. I remember the Scholastic. Uh, I think they call it like a Scholastic um, News or something. Or like it was something you had to read a book. You take a you took the book test on the computer. It was back when like computers were very rare. They were just kind of you know being created. And you take the test on the computer and you get points. Whoever had the most points would get prizes at the end of the year or at the end of the term. And I hated it. I would try to cheat through it. I I completely hated it. I tried to cheat my way and like cause you. Ha- I think it was recommend it was like a rec- recommenda- or not recommended, it was like a um, requirement that you had to hit a certain amount of points in order to graduate that class. So I would try to cheat it. I'd try to use like, hey, like, you know, like the cliff notes and stuff like that. I'd try to like do like different things where I try to cheat it and get little minor points rather than reading the book because I didn't want to read. And then when I got older and I got into college, I picked up a book for the first time. I read the book and it was on business. I think it was a Grant Cardone book I read. And, or No, I'm sorry. It was um, Dean Graziosi's uh, Millionaire Traits or something like that. I don't remember the full title, but it was like talking about traits millionaires have. And I read this book and it changed my perspective 110 or 180 degrees on um, and basically how we're all thinking negative and how uh, the world is kind of pushing towards negativity. But if you can look on the bright side of things, be more optimistic, have more positivity in your life you could change the outcome of where you're going in the direction of your life. And when I read that book, I was like, damn, yo, I went to college for two years, right? I was going to college at that time, I think for two and a half, maybe close to three actually. And I was like, I've been going to college for three years and I barely have any knowledge that was, that was useful in a sense. But I picked up this book and read this book for about a month and a half, maybe two months. And I have more knowledge from this book that I read in the two months than I ever did in a three-year college – class for three years in multiple college classes. And I was like, the books are where it's at. And then I, and then I realized once I looked up certain traits or uh, certain um, like facts, the average entrepreneur reads like – I think it was like a, like 60 books – or like a hundred and something books um, a year, and the average American only reads barely one. Most of them don't even finish the one book. Most of them go halfway through or a quarter of the way into the book and they quit. And um, but the average book for an American is one book a year. And I was like, damn, if I could just read like seven or fifteen books, I'd have a lot of knowledge. And, I, and the funny thing too is with the with the books, real quick, um, and then we'll go into these topics, is um, I remember. Cause every single time I sit down with my uh, grandparents or I sit down with my uncle and my aunt um, who are very like, they're very, my, my uncle's very educated in like um, the mentality part, like the stuff that I'm actually trying to get you guys on with goals and updates. Uncles, my uncle is very, very intelligent when it comes to like the mind and how like powerful like mindset is and um, how to keep like positivity in your life. And uh, when I would talk to him about certain things, like, damn, like, how do you know this? He's like, damn, like, I didn't know this until I was like in at this age. Or how did you pick up on this? And my my aunt, the same way. My aunt's like, I don't, he, my aunt's like, we saw you like a couple of months ago. And now you're talking about like all this, all this crazy um, knowledge. And they're like, where'd you learn all this? And I'm like, I started to read books. And, and they laughed and they go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You started reading books and that's where you're getting your knowledge from. So the point that I'm trying to make is, you really should be reading, and most people are probably not going to read, uh, and that's that's your loss, because that's you know I was trying to tell my one friend one time, um, my one friend Eric, I was like trying to get him to like read, and he wants to go into the stock market, and he's like, I want to be a day trader, or he, he just wants to get involved in like uh, being like a stockbroker and like trading stocks on the on the um, on the actual stock market. And I was trying to tell him like, dude, like start reading books and go and go pick people that have been in the, being like a stockbroker for 30 plus years and go get a book on one of them and start reading about stocks. Start doing something to get your education going within that trait and you'll see if you want to do it or not because you'll start learning about different types of stocks. They'll tell you what they do, um, how to, you know, when to trade, when not to trade, like you'll learn all that stuff within that book. And, like, I'm telling you, like, you'll get more knowledge off of that than trying to go to college and learning about the stock or basically the stock market and stocks and all that stuff. Like, start, start you know. And, and the crazy thing with books, by the way, is you can get someone that's been doing it for 30 years that have made all the mistakes. But at the same time, like, they're giving you all the mistakes they've made in 30 years. So, you don't have to go and take 30 years to figure out those mistakes. Right? They're, they're, it's basically giving you more time. It's literally giving you more time in your pocket because you're learning from other people's mistakes that have been doing it for a long periods of time that's why they're writing those books they're trying to pass on the knowledge to you that they've learned over a long period of time and um so that's the crazy part most people don't think like that most people are not like oh it's knowledge and it's gonna give me back more time most people that I explain that to by the way the oh, like I read to give myself more time, they, they look at me like I'm crazy. They, they don't understand that concept because they don't pick up a book and read. So they don't understand what I'm talking about. Um, they, they, they just think the, the idea of it is crazy and it's it's too, um, it's too over the top. It doesn't make any sense because they don't pick up the book and read. So I, it, you know, if, if you're going to learn one thing off the episode 77 of Goals and Updates, definitely start reading. It's the best advice I can give you. Start reading um, books. And don't – and this the, the, the collide I had before with uh, with my ex-girlfriend was she was really into fantasy, like fantasy with like uh, anime and stuff like that. And I'm not saying you, you, you can't read that stuff. but What I'm saying is don't – if you're going to read, don't waste your time with fantasy and fiction. Um, start reading things that are going to give you traits. Start giving, giving you knowledge that's going to be helpful when you grow up and, and when you actually need the knowledge like buying a house – Uh, credit, uh, you know how many people that I've talked to that are college students and they don't, and they have no credit history and, and like, and I try to explain to them like, do you understand you're living on a a planet where everything is related to your credit history? Like you need credit to buy a car. You need credit to go get a house. You need credit to go rent an apartment. You need credit to, uh, get some loans. If you ever need a loan for, for, you know, you want to buy a car, so you have to get a loan. Like credit is everything, like even jobs now, some jobs are actually requiring to check your credit score for you to get a job there. That's how, that's how advanced credit's getting now. So, um, and like, I'm telling you, like I have friends that don't even have a credit card and they're not maintaining their credit. So that's what I'm trying to tell you is like, I learned credit by reading, by going to the bank and talking to bank tellers. Um, I learned credit by basically picking up a book on credit. Like I'm reading a book right now called uh, "Financing for Dummies 101," right? And it talks about credit, it talks about investing, it talks about um, all the important stuff that you need to learn. Like if you ever if you ever had to file bankruptcy, when you can and when you shouldn't file bankruptcy, um, who you should trust when you're talking about financial advice from some of these people, and that and that's all from reading, right? So that's the best advice I can give you. Start reading and read important stuff. Don't read like fiction, fantasy. You don't know, like you can read it. Just don't, I wouldn't recommend reading that 90% of your, your reading time. But anyways, we're going to go into these two topics. The first topic we're going to talk about is, uh, is staying broke. Now, what I mean by this is, um, anyone that's successful or extremely wealthy or has made a lot of money, the reason they made a lot of money is because once they got money, they stayed broke. And what I mean by that is they didn't, once they got a million dollars or two million dollars, they didn't go out and buy crazy, crazy um depreciating items like cars or clothes or anything like that. They um they invested the money, right? They they used the money that they had and they reinvested it, and then they went and made more money, but they, they constantly stayed broke. Um the one thing that I learned from Grant Cardone is he always says, you gotta you save the money, right? You save a little bit of money, and you get rid of the money right away. And he's not—he's not talking about getting rid of the money in the sense of buying materials or buying uh, depreciating items. He's talking about getting rid of it in investments, because what happens is when your money sits, like let's say you have ten thousand dollars in the bank right now, and your goal is to hit fifty—you know, fifty thousand dollars, and maybe the, maybe it's going to take you another. Uh, Let's say it's going to take you like another year to hit 50,000, you know, get the the next $40,000 to hit $50,000. He's talking about when you're waiting to get to that amount of time with the money. Um, money basically li- likes attention. It gets bored. And then what happens is you tend to spend the money. So you end up losing the money while it sits in the bank or in your savings account. So that's, why, that's what he means by getting rid or get rid of the, the cash when you're saving it into investments because when it's locked up in an investment, you can't really access it. Um, but it's making money as, as you're trying to get more money to save and put more money into an investment. Uh, if, if you're just putting it in the saving and it's happened to me a a lot of times, I ended up at the one job, my first job I ever had where I had like very, very little financial responsibilities. Like I was just paying car insurance. My car payments were like one fifty eight or something like that. My car payments were like, uh, I think like another, like $150, and that was like my only major, major bill I had to pay. So I had a lot of money left over, and I would just shove it into savings. I ended up, I think I accumulated at like eighteen. I think I accumulated like four. I think I almost had like five grand saved. What happened is I don't, I didn't have, I don't have the money now. You know why? Because I found other things that I needed the money for, and I ended up taking it out of savings and using it on different things. So the concept was, uh, you know, what he's saying is you got to get rid of the money as fast as you can once you accumulate it into an investment, because you're going to find something that you need the money for in your savings. You're going to find some excuse to use the money. So that, that was something that I learned that I, um, that I kind of did right. Like I inherited, um, I, I like this story a lot, so I'll tell you this story, but I inherited, um, every single grandkid there's four grandkids, uh, in, in my family with my grandfather, he gave each grandkid, um, you know, a couple thousand dollars in government bonds. And I was the only one that still has the money and I still invested the money. Everyone else spent the money. No one has the money anymore. Um, I was the only one that, and I think we got that at like age 18. I think at least I was 18. My sister was 18. Um, my other cousins are a little bit older, but they ended up, you know, they, they, they found something to use the money on. And I told myself, you know, this isn't my money. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use this money. Like this isn't my money. This is given to me by my grandfather. I'm gonna invest this money. And I and the funny thing is when he gave me the bonds, um, I took a, a high school class that taught me about stocks, and they talked they're teaching us about the rule of seven, how like uh, compounded interest basically every seven years with a certain amount of time, um, and uh, you know depending on how much of the interest percentage you're getting back, it would double or multiply, and that was that was something that I learned and I was like, oh, I was like, oh man, like I got to invest early. The biggest mistake people make is they don't invest um, for like retirement early. They wait till they're like 40 or 50 and they don't have enough time to basically save enough money to live for another 20 or 30 years when they retire. So I told myself, it's not my money. I'm going to invest this money. I went to a stockbroker that took the money and I invested it. And made I, 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 people said I made a lot more than I think I made, but I thought I had a lot more in the government bonds, but um, I think I made like three like three or four grand or it's probably more like a little bit over three grand um, in the stock market. And what happened was uh, I you know I, I realized I didn't really like the stock market. I was like, all right, I had a good run, it's whatever, but um you know lost some money here and there. probably could have made more, but you know the stock market goes up and down but i told myself uh, i learned about multifamily about other investments passive income cuz stock uh, the stock market when you're investing in stocks is not passive and i started as i advanced my education and my knowledge with investments i realized like i didn't want to do that anymore I took the money out and now it's in multifamily in a, in a fund but which uh, you know i just started with that so i i don't have any numbers to to give you guys or whatever but the the point that i'm trying to make is i still have money right now right? I'm, I still have the money my grand, my grandfather gave me and more, right? I made more money on it. So the point that I'm trying to make is if that money would have, if I would have just said, hang on, I'm going to try to get to like 20 grand in my savings account and then invest the money. Um, first, like, first of all, inflation would have definitely killed it. I wouldn't have made any money on it, uh, or not as much money. The second thing too, is I probably would have used the money. I would have found something like a college, like certain things happen to me where I had to figure it out really quick. Like, um, you know, I'm still working on this hospital bill, uh, which I'm almost done with, but that was like oh, $1,500. Then I ran into an issue where I had to, um, uh, my financial aid dropped me from my last class in college. Cause it was my third time taking accounting one and I ended up having to pay like $1,200. And what I had to do is do payments and stuff like that. But, if I would have had that money laying around, I probably would have said, Hey, this is a good investment. I'm going to go invest in college. And I would have taken that money from my grandfather. Instead of trying to make my own money and pay for the college class, I probably would have used that money as a, a safety blanket and I would have spent it on college or something, which is in my opinion, probably the, you know, it's not, it wasn't worth the 1200 grand that my, my grandfather gave me it's not re- it's not really a, a strong investment in myself, uh, which most people will probably disagree. But, um, but the point is, like, you don't want money sitting around. If you have money sitting around, it's going to be spent. You're gonna, you're gonna find some excuse to spend it, and uh, that's something that I've learned uh, recently. Because, like, I, I heard about it. Sorry if that came across on the mic. Um, turned off. I turned the volume off on my computer. But um, if you know, that's something that I've recently read. That's something I recently learned, um, and I didn't realize I was doing it. That's technically what I do with that investment. I got rid of the money as fast as I could and put it into an investment. At age eighteen, I didn't. I wasn't thinking like that. I just. I just automatically did, right? Because my my mind was in the right direction. But um, the point that I'm trying to make is you're gonna want to try to do that, like have a goal maybe, and then after a couple of months, once you get to the goal or something, like let's say you want to save five thousand, once you get to five thousand, throw it into an investment. Whatever you can do with it, because the hard part is it five grand is not a lot of money. When I, I only had, I think when I went to go to stocks, when like I first invested the money, I think I really, I only had like $2,000 or $2,500. And it's not a lot of money where you can really invest with. And when I went to the stock broker, he even said like, you're going to be my, um he's like, you're going to be my lowest uh fund that I have He's like, most people here spend millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars with my accounts and, and, uh, in the mutual funds and stuff. He's like, but I'll do it for you. He's like, you know, you're young. He's like, I want to help you out. He's like, you know what you're talking about? He's like, I'll do it for you. So I kind of lucked out because I probably would have went somewhere else. They probably would have ripped me off and they probably would have, um, they would have probably made me sign some kind of contract where they're going to take like 4% of it and, they, and the and the crit and you know he probably he took fees out of it, but the point is like a lot of these uh, a lot of these brokerage or a lot of these stock brokerage uh, places they take a lot of a lot of your money right after you get rid of the you know you sell the stocks or they have it in the agreement where they take like three or four percent or they take a lot of the money so you really didn't gain that much money, and that was a big issue too. Like I don't remember the year exactly, but I was watching this one video that was an hour and a half long. And they went and they showed how people got scammed. Um, they went to retire and then they sold the stocks. They thought they were going to have like a million dollars and they sell the stocks. And um, the, the broker, whoever was doing their funds, took like four or five percent of their money and they ended up, they, they couldn't really retire. They had to work a second job. They, they didn't have as much money as they really thought or planned on having. And uh, most people didn't know that they were going to take that, that, that percentage amount, that large percentage amount out of the out of the fund. So that's kind of, that's why I kind of don't really want to go in, you know, I don't really believe in stocks. Like I, it, you're gambling. Um, it, it is gambling whether you want to believe it or not. I, you know, my friend tried to argue with me that it's not gambling, but you are. It's like pulling a slot machine. You're pulling a slot machine and you're hoping that it goes up. Your chances are probably better in the stock market than going to a slot machine and pulling the slot lever but uh, you're still gambling because the, like, there's no guarantee the business is going to be here in the next five, seven years. This businesses is that my generation has no idea about and maybe your parents know about, but since like they didn't last um, and the market changed, they went out of business and people lost money on that, on that stock market. Right? So that's why I don't like stocks. You're, you're just, you're just gambling your money away. Um, so that's staying broke. Like you want to stay broke. Most people I tell that to, they're like, oh, then why, like, why would I make money if I have to stay broke and do whatever? And it's, I had the same, I had the same mentality when I first heard staying broke when you're at, when you're wealthy, like in the sense of, um, if let's say I had like $200 million and I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to keep that mentality of staying broke. I had, at first I had, um, I, I couldn't really process it either. And then I realized, well, uh, you're staying broke because you're trying to keep the mentality of like, you're trying to get more money. That's how people make more money on top of it is there's people that – the crazy thing is take like the NFL. And this is is like a – this is a fact that is pretty mind-blowing when I tell people. But when – if you look at like the NFL or any like major sports, right, like professional sports like NFL – uh nfl or um sorry nfl nhl uh nba most of those kids right or you know, most of them are adults but when they started off they were most likely kids young kids making millions upon millions of dollars and statistically speaking most of them end up going broke if they're making so much money how are they broke the reason behind it is they're not staying broke. They think $3 million or $10 million is a lot of money, which to be 100% honest with you is really not that much money, um, which some people might call me crazy, but it's really not as much money as you really think it is. And what happens is they spend every dime and they basically are broke. <laughs> because you could be making $3 million, $10 million, $15 million, but if you're not staying broke and you're spending all your cash, and most of them don't really invest most of them don't even know about investing because they're young and they're not you know they're not educated on investing yet they're not thinking about that they're not thinking about retiring um they end up you know they don't invest their money and they're not making money on top of their money and then they end up going broke and that's and if you want to look that up like there's statistics on it where a lot of them are broke <laughs> a lot of them um you know, like besides like LeBron James, but LeBron James, I think I, I looked up his net worth with uh, my friend Jimmy. He's really into basketball. I think it was like four hundred and like fifty million dollars that he's worth now with contract, or he will be with like that's how much money I think he would have made with contracts, or um, like that that would have been his net worth or something like that. But he, he's worth like at least four hundred million dollars, which is like half a billion dollars almost. So, you know, it's a little bit different than some of the young people that start off where they're making like maybe $5 million or $10 million um, with the contract. But anyways, um, so now we're going to go into the second topic. So the second one is people are not permanent in your life. Now, this one, people, I guarantee you I can persuade you 110% that, that I'm right on this topic. I don't think anyone would disagree. There might be little things you might disagree with me on this topic. But um, if you don't believe me, people are not permanent um think about it for a second right uh i had different friends in middle school elementary school i'll go from the bottom because it's kind of weird i went out of order but like elementary school elementary school middle school high school college um each job i had i had different friends that i that i saw all the time right so each stage of your life you tend to have different people the the saying is family will stay but friends will come and go it's because people are not permitted in your life people are gonna come and go and you gotta understand that you know um your friend you can have long-term friends like i've been friends with a lot of my friends for a long long time um uh, some of them like i've known my one friend jimmy for like nine years i've known my one friend um eric for like 12 or like 13 years um i've known people for a long time and then the other argument that you can make too is uh, think of your family, right? There's some people in your family that you're really, really close to that you can call probably right now. They'd answer or they'd get back to you pretty soon and they'll talk to you. And there's some other family that are very, very distant. Like maybe you haven't talked to them in a long time. You don't see them at all. It's been like 15, 20 years since you've seen them. Um, so some family, family is closer than other family. Uh, some family don't even talk to each other. Maybe they've seen them a couple ha- a handful of times and they and they know they exist, but they don't talk to them. Uh, those are people that came and go, even though they're family. Um so you gotta you gotta think about it logically for a second. Like people are people are always coming and going in your life. You're gonna meet people maybe on a phone call for five minutes, and that was someone that you met. Um that was now now they're gone after the five minutes. Uh, every single day you're meeting people, whether you're going to a supermarket, whether you're going to the movies, whether you're going to work and there's a new employee. Um, there's this one girl that I met for half a month she was working at the company I'm working at right now and she quit. All right. There's people that my mom have been telling me that people are quitting. Okay. So, and there's probably people that she's, that she's, you know, I don't know how long those people have been working there, but the, the craziest one was the one girl that I met for like in training for like half a month, like two weeks. And then she quit after the third week and got another job. So people are constantly coming and going And you have to realize that people are not, uh, permanent in your life. Uh, like I said, like I've had, you know, there's people, um, I've had people in high school and every, and the funny thing is every single year in high school, I had like almost different, different friends. I had, uh, the one my one friend, uh, you know, I had this one group in freshman year and sophomore year that I think roughly stayed the same. The only person ever stayed the same, by the way, throughout, uh, like eighth no seventh grade because i think middle school went sixth seventh and eighth seventh grade through about now or throughout uh high school basically because i didn't i did not really go to college with my one friend eric but all the way from seventh to about 12th grade in high school um he's the only person that actually stayed the same consistently in a sense um i have another person i think would kind of qualify in the same sense but uh, would be like nick um, but really like you're what you're going to see is like ev- like everything changes like people just change like you You tend to like not do the same things as every as that friend. I had this one friend uh, Pablo, which I bear I, you know, I've seen him once in a while around here he, he moved from this area. So I don't I don't see him anymore I haven't really talked to him in a long time, but I used to be really close with him. I used to go across the street And go hang out with him uh, we you know go wherever and in uh, middle school, we used to play a lot of video games together, and that's what we would do. We would play. Uh, the game of choice was Halo Three, and I'd always play team doubles with them. For you know, some people might not know what that is. Uh, you know, I hope you know a lot of people that are young because I have a lot of young people on my friends list. They'll probably know what I'm talking about. But um, I played a lot of team doubles with him, and we'd go on like every single day after school, like when we had no you know days off. And um, I don't talk to him anymore really now. Uh, we have completely different, you know, we, we faded from the video games. Like, I don't know if he probably still plays. I mean, I still play a little bit, but I don't play nearly as much as I did in, uh, in middle school. Like I cut it down to like, you know, like now I probably play like maybe an hour or two a week. Then I was probably playing like 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Um, like it, like it was a full-time job basically. Uh, cause I didn't really have, I didn't have really a job at that time or I had like a little job that didn't really require much hours but um or responsibility at that at that point in time but the point that I'm trying to make to you is that I don't I don't really speak to him anymore right like I'm sure I could probably hit him up on Facebook and it you know he'd be there and and we would talk but the point that I'm trying to make to you is that people will come and go there's family that I've seen and there you know there's certain family that I've seen a handful of times And then I don't hear from them for, like, years. And there's other family that I have which uh, I'll see, you know, maybe a handful of times. But I know that if I contacted them, you know, they'd still reach back out to me. Or um, they'll at least attempt to come to, like, family events or, like, family gatherings. And then there's very, very close family that I see almost every single holiday. Or we all make an attempt to go and see them. And they come here. Or we meet halfway somewhere. But, you know, everyone everyone's different in the sense that you're going to have different people that are going to come and go. People that are going to stay people that are going to be committed to you. There's going to, and you're going to be committed to those people. Um, you know, I've had, I've had people that have backstabbed me multiple times and then I had to, you know, kick them to the curb and no one wants to do that. Um, especially someone like myself, like I, you know, I tend to, I, you know, I, I, and I still believe in those people by the way. Like I don't, most people would probably be like, well, screw those people. Like, I hope that they succeed in life. I hope they look at me and go, damn, yo, that kid, you know, that kid at the, at that point in time, when we were friends, you know, shit, you know, shit kind of went south and it didn't work out. But damn, look at that kid now. Like, look what he's doing. He's doing this and that and that. And I hope to say the same thing about them. Like, I want them to succeed, right? Like, I hope, you know, maybe down in the future, I'll run into him somewhere and um, maybe, or maybe they'll come to a show cause like my, you know, I have some pretty big goals where I want to do motivational speaking and I want to go up on stage and talk to thousands and, and millions of people on stage. And, you know, it might be ironic where one day they, they come and um, you know, sometimes at these events or most of the time at these events, when you, when you're popular enough, they have uh, stands where they take pictures with, the uh, with the motivational speaker or the person, the celebrity that's up there and you know it'd be kind of interesting to have one of those people uh, go to the show and be like, you know, like it's it's really interesting like how you've become this type of person and you know I'm very motivated by what I saw you as when you were younger compared to now and that's you know that's that's something that you know could happen. I mean if it you just never know. Like you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen 15 30 years from now. But the the point that I'm trying to make to you is that people are going to come and go or they're not permitted in your life. And it's it you know it's really hard when you kind of like try to think like that because naturally you're like, well this person's my friend like I trust this person like this person this person's never done me dirty once right um, And I'm not saying that person's gonna do you dirty. I'm just saying like you might drift apart from each other right um, you're gonna have people like that where you're gonna be like, you know I trust this person so much like you know the two people that I was in a relation, Relationship with, I thought, you know, oh, this person, this person's gonna stay with me forever, right? And the first person completely backstabbed me. The second person, kind of towards the towards the end of the relationship, just you know, I thought she believed in me basically, and then towards the end, basically, just said, you know what, like, um, like I hate your guts. (laughs) Like I hate your guts. Like, and you know, so it went. You know, the people that I thought believed in me, the people that I kept really, really close. Ended up backstabbing me. Um, and it's going to happen to everyone. Everyone's going to go through bad relationships, right? Relationships are actually probably the best one, I could probably tell you, because when you're in a, a committed relationship, maybe even a marriage, right? You know, like divorce rate in the United States is really, really high. Um, and those are people that got married, right? I'm talking about, you know, in my situation, I was just in a committed relationship where uh, we're basically testing the waters and we're trying to make it work, right? And we're trying, that's the end goal is to get to that marriage point. But the people that have been married have literally went in front of an audience, their family, their friends, uh, a community, basically, and did vows, or vows, and, uh, sorry about that, but, um, and they committed their love to each other, and they basically, legally on paper, signed a form saying that they're going to be together for the rest of our lives. They completely said to each other, like, I 110% believe in you, (laughs) excuse me, and, they're like, all of a sudden, like, you know, let's say like five, seven years later, they're like, well, screw this. I hate your guts. Like, I don't want to be with you anymore. Right. And those people completely chose to go a different path and get the divorce. And, you know, if you would have talked to them five, seven years ago, they would have, they would have been madly in love and they would have told you like, they're going to be together forever. Right. So that's what I'm trying to, uh, that's what I'm trying to kind of put in your brain is um, it's going to, things don't stay the same. Right. You might think something's going to work out now, but maybe like three or four years later, uh, something traumatic happens and like you have to steer the course in a different direction. Um, it's kind of like almost like the death conversation. Like No one wants to talk about death, that, they, that you're eventually going to die, that, uh, you know, eventually it's going to come to an end. Same thing with this where, you know, people are not permitted in your life. People are going to change and, you know, you're going to drift apart from people like it happens. Like you know, you want to meet more people. You don't want to just stay with the same people over and over. I mean, you want you want loyal people. Um, like I, I like I know I have loyal people. Like I've been through hell and back with my one friend, the one that I told you I was with for thirteen. Uh, you know, I've been friends with for thirteen years. Like, and me and him have gone through like dramatic, dramatic situations where um, he kind of had to. You know, I, I kind of knew my decision on a lot of the things, but he kind of had to make a decision where it was like either kick me to the curb or kick that person to the curb because it was not going to work out if you went both directions. He could he had to pick a side almost, um, like I you know, and I told him like you know whatever you want to do you do, but just know like that the person's not a good person, I'm not not a good individual. If this person's going to go and do this to me, like this person's definitely going to go and do this to you, um, uh, you know, and and he showed loyalty like he shows me every single time um and you know that's that was his choice but you know and and you and i'm not, like everyone has someone like that like everyone has someone like that like everyone i've talked to has someone that's kind of loyal in the sense they've been friends with for years and they're just very very loyal individuals to each other and they're they're not gonna backstab each other they're not gonna purposely backstab other person you know accidents happen where uh, something might happen where you didn't think it was gonna backfire and hit the other person, but maybe it does. But um, but that's that. So that's people are not permanent in your life. Um, it's it's a hard topic, right? It's a hard topic in the sense for people to intake it, because most people don't want to admit that it's true. But uh, but that's uh, people are not permanent in your life. Now, what I'm gonna do is uh, we're gonna do Dundee Investments real quick, and then from here um, all we're gonna end it and um i'll let you know what's going to go on now uh for anyone that doesn't know my name is tyler dunn i own a company dunn deal investments llc where the deal is already done and this company is designed to help uh distress sellers and then put them on a deal together with an investor that wants to help the the seller um with what i why yeah sorry <laughs> why i say distress sellers is because um it's people that financially really can't sustain their property so i'm not really talking about it does work for those for these types of people as well like if you just want to maybe you know you don't really like a real turn you just want to sell the house really fast and uh, or you don't want to wait like months on end to try to sell the house we could do it for you also as most of the time you're like uh, you're someone that already owns the property so it'll work for you too but most of the time what this uh, this resource is designed to do is to help the the seller or the the homeowner Basically, have another resource to to get them to the next level, right? To get them out of the financial um, the financial situation that they're in. Uh, most of the time, it's people that have liens on their property. Most of the times, it's people that uh, are in foreclosure. People that have uh, like pre foreclosure, which is where the bank's gonna is threatening to seize the property because they're missing payments on the mortgage or the house or whatever loan they got, and then from Also like divorce, like if maybe there's someone that has like a really, really messy divorce and they don't want to like wait three weeks or a month, they kind of want to just get the situation done, um, really quick and just get it over with and just, you know, rip the bandaid off. It also works that for that job transfers where you, you have a job or let's say you got a job. Like my friend's been talking about this for a while where he wants to go and, um, Find work in like Colorado or something, or somewhere in a different state where they'll pay for his living expense and also pay him a uh, income percentage. And um, let's say you're trying to do that, where you're like, all right, I'm gonna move to a different state, and you got the job. You you did the hard part, and found the job. They they're gonna hire you, and they want you to move within the next week, and you can't sell the home that fast with, with the realtor. Like you just know it's not gonna work. That's where done deal investments would would come in handy, where we would help that person sell the house really fast and just give you a, a cash payment for the house. Um, if maybe you inherited a house and the the inheriting the house part is kind of very rare. It doesn't happen very often, but what that does is um, most of the time you're inheriting from an elderly person where they didn't really maintain the house properly, but um, there's probably like a lot of property damage to the house and you can't really sell it for full market value that's where Dundee investments would also come in to, um, to help that, that homeowner or that person that inherited the house as a, as a resource to that person. Um, so how this works is it's called the three step process that I call the three steps to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Dundee investments, LLC. Uh, you could do that through email. You could do that through our website forms. You could do that through um, any social media platform or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you'll find that on the Facebook, um, in the details. Uh, you can call me directly, text me. Um, if you're going to call me, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I might not answer the first time. I might have to call you back because I work um I work long hours at my uh, my full-time job right now where most of the time I'm working from 9 to 6.30. And it's normally Monday. It's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But I'll call, you know, whenever I can call you like right after work at like, once I get home at like 7, I'll give you a call back. Or um, if I'm, you know, Tuesdays I'm off. So that's probably where I make most of my phone calls back and return the phone calls to anyone that called me. But the point that I'm trying to make is if you're going to, if you call me and I don't answer, please leave a voicemail because I get a lot of calls and people don't leave a voicemail. So leave a voicemail and just, you know, give me, you know, give me a little bit of details of what you're trying to, um, what you're trying to seek through done deal investments and like what you really need help on. And I'll give you a call back and, and we'll work it out from the call back. But uh, you have to contact me. I can't help anyone I don't know. And maybe you have someone that you want me to reach out to that maybe you don't want to disclose, you know, maybe you don't really want to tell them to call me because they're probably not and you, and you know they need the financial help. You can just give me their information and then I'll reach out to them, whether it's an email, whether it's through, like social media, whether it's a phone call, um, I'll reach out to them so that way you don't have to really do a lot of work and I'll just do the work. Um, the other thing too is now we're on step two. So step two is I got to schedule an appointment with uh, the property owner. So let's say you're selling me the property. I have to make an appointment with you and I'm going to basically take five pictures inside and five pictures outside. So a total of 10 pictures. And the reason for that is when I go to find you an investor to put on the deal, I don't want all this foot traffic coming into your property and disturbing you. So, um, it kind of minimizes that and they can just quickly, you know, I can quickly send them an email or do text message or um, probably most likely through an email, but I send them the photos, they can look through it. And then I'm also going to bring with me an estimate sheet and it's just going to be like, all right, you need, we have roof damage, we have this damage, we have that damage. And that's where the estimate price that I'm going to give or how much money the investor has to sink into the property. So that's all that is going to be emailed to any investor that's interested in in uh, getting partnered on to the deal, and then from there, what's going to happen is uh, we're going to go into step three. Step three is then we have to negotiate and sign a contract. So from there, let's say you're the the seller or the property owner, and you're trying to you're trying to sell it through done deal Investments. What happens is. Um, I got to go and run comps in your on your neighborhood. So I got to look for the three closest houses to your size, everything matching as close as I possibly can within you know uh, houses that I've sold on your on that market in that neighborhood in the last like three or five months. That's where I get the average price. From that, I deduct the investment costs and that's where we're going to negotiate on the price. Uh, the other thing we can negotiate too is the terms. So if you need to let's say we come to an agreement on the price and you're okay with the price, but you need to stay in the house for another three weeks to go and and find another property to move to, or you need X, Y, and Z. You just let me know and I'll work it out with the investor. So uh, my job uh, with Dundee Investments is to make sure that everything runs smooth, that I help you the seller, which is the most important part. And I also get the investor on the same page. So that way everything runs smooth for you and the investor. Now, from, from that, what happens is, let's say we agree on everything and we negotiate and we agree on the terms and the price. We then have to sign the contract. So you would have to sign the contract. I would sign the contract. Whatever investor I put on the deal would then have to sign the contract as well. Then what happens is um, you would get the cash uh, offer that we offered you or that I basically would offer you, but we would give you the cash offer and then... If you need any resources from there, like a uh, realtor, I know a lot of realtors, a lot of good ones. I know uh, home inspectors. I know anything you need financing I can help you out with. Uh, I'll give you um, contact information where you can go and get those resources. And then also, um, so then you'd go and find, you know, where you want to go with the, with the money, where if you want to go and rent and maybe you're owning, now you want to go rent. Uh, and then from there, but what would happen is the investor would make a, a a profit off the house because he's going to invest into the stuff that you know is, is damaged on the house, and he's going to go in and make a profit on the actual market and sell it for full market value. Done deal investments is going to get a finder's fee or commission, what they call a finder's fee, from the investors. That's the cool part: is the seller or you does not have to pay done deal investments any commission, like you would a realtor it would come from the investor the investor would pay us the commission fee for uh for the finders fee basically for putting the deal together and giving them a uh, a cut of the deal now from there um which is basically is basically everything uh down to a nutshell but uh basically from there what I want to do with this business is I want to grow it and scale it. So you don't have to, let's say you're the seller and you're selling the property. I can then give you the other resources connected to done investments where, okay, now we need a realtor for you. So our realtors could then help you. Uh, then you're going to want the home inspected because you're not going to want to walk into a deal where there's thousands of dollars, um, thousands upon thousands of dollars where it's coming back on you since you just bought the home and you didn't know anything and like title searches and stuff like that, that would all come from, um, done deal investments. Like that's why I want to build it up to you. need financing once, once you decide on the property you want, like all that stuff I want connected to done deal investments. And that way, like everything's just in one spot for you. Like it's a one-stop shop. It's what I like to call it. One-stop shop. And that would basically get you to one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, and the next thing. And you wouldn't have to go and find five or six other people uh, when you're trying to get out of that distress situation or um, or maybe you just want to use some of these resources, right? Like maybe you just want to use like just the home inspection part or you just want to use financing or you just want to use um like a title search or you just want to use a realtor, you can you can even do that. And so it does you don't have to be a distress seller to use these resources, but it's available to the whole entire public or anyone that is a homeowner, or wants to become a home a homeowner. And that's something that I'm trying to work on building very slowly. So, right now, before I wrap this up, um, I'm trying to do home. In- I'm trying to get a home inspection or home inspection uh, license, so then I can start doing home inspections. Um, but it's probably going to take me. It's probably going to take me about like four. My my time frame for it is like about four months. I'm still trying to look into like certain elements and like courses and um, putting like money towards it and stuff. So what I'm trying to do right now is is create like a pre-service uh, list where once I get certified, you then can I can then contact you and we will give you a free home inspection because that's what I'm going to do for like the first uh, for a little while I'm going to give out free home inspections and all all I'm going to ask for is that you give us a review either on our Facebook page or Google My Business page, and that's all I'm going to ask for like a full inspection report that we're going to give to you for free basically just just for um a review basically but from there um you know they they normally go by the way like a regular home inspection is normally $150 to about $200 roughly around that ballpark so you know I'm really saving you a lot of money and then the, the cool thing with home inspections too is you'll know exactly what's wrong with the house and where your money should be invested into that property. So that way you're not wasting a lot of money on like a fence or so you're not wasting a lot of money on like uh, certain elements that are not up to code, right? So that's something that I'm going to do for a little while. So if you're interested in getting a free home inspection in like the next four months, if you can wait that long, or if you, know, you just want a free home inspection just to have one, uh, reach out to me in any one of the, the forms, like the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, the, the website, www.dundealinvestment.com or email dundealinvestments at outlook.com um, or just contact me by phone or even text me like whatever, whatever you're more comfortable doing, like then you can do it that way. But I'm just going to create a, um, a pre-service uh, list. I just call it a pre-service list because it's basically like service that, that you're waiting to receive. So that's why I call it pre, but um, that's what I'm going to work on for a little while. So contact me. Um, so this has been episode 77 of Goals and Updates. Uh, my name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.